Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life, and reflect on God's provision, goodness, and grace. We'll hear from old and new friends, even some that are no longer living, about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we have EJ Vanas, who is the training director for YFC Africa, as well as an area director in the Southern region. And uh, yeah, we've gone to visit and partner with their ministry in South Africa and Botswana in the past. We are just so excited to hear from them today. He shares all kinds of stories from ministry about how to stay committed to the faith, be encouraged, his insights from 20 years of ministry. And yeah, it's a great and fun conversation. So make a cake because yum. When is a bad time to make a cake? (laughs) Go for a walk, do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. I just thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness in each of our lives. So have your way and be glorified through this conversation. Amen. Amen. Well, your official work friends welcome Woo! to the podcast. <laughs> Skipping out on your South African radio schedule to be here on our radio here. Yeah, it uh, it took quite some organizing to get here. But yeah. <laughs> so much organizing. <laughs> A couple years later, we finally got gotcha. you. And like, you may know this, I don't know if you know the extent to it, but the whole reason we decided do this podcast was from when we were on the radio so we were sitting outside the studio talking about the radio talking about the snake thing and then also talking about the podcast so you're basically our living inspiration for this thank you (laughs) i don't know that i did that but yeah thank you (laughs) it's good to see it now in action yeah it's very good to see it yeah almost two years later and or three years later three years three years later wow yeah that was two 19, eh? That's yeah. just wild. 19. Wow. Was it 19? Yeah, 19. Yeah. 19? Wow. Yeah. Whoa. It's almost three years ago. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. We're really glad to have you here. So... We always start off our podcast with asking some fun facts for our guests so they can get to know you a little bit. So first off, this was Jen's question. What's your favorite rugby team? Western Province. Western Stormers. Gotcha. And I'm going to say, yeah, that's cool, as if I know anything about rugby, Mm-mm. but what's your least favorite rugby team? The Blue Bulls. Mm. Gotcha. That yeah. was easy. Yeah, that was very easy. <laughs> uh, I won't say what we say about them, but yeah, they're in the northern part of South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> How would you, would be like your ideal way to spend a day off? That's a good question because uh, I don't get a lot of that. But going to the sea, mm. sitting next to the sea, or go diving out crayfish mm. or fishing, well, mm. that would be a ideal or otherwise just resting walking uh visiting friends mm. yeah so we're part of your ideal day because you're visiting with friends now so yeah this is a good idea <laughs> there was a hesitation day. there oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm having a good day here so that is good for me yeah well we're glad to have you here too uh if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be jesus mm. <laughs> i would I'd like some answers so <laughs> right now it would be a good one um i think nelson Mandela, mm. our first president of the new south africa 
would be a good one. He's got some interesting things. Uh, third one. Um, who would I... Paul, maybe. Mm. Also, yeah. Mm. There's some questions I want to ask him also. Yeah, <laughs> I think he would be an interesting one. Yeah, but get yeah. some clarity. We had someone a while ago, a few months ago on, that is, he lives in close to us, like an hour from here, but he's from South Africa. And he also said Nelson Mandela, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, he made a big difference in our country. And mm-hmm. um, the, I, I read a book for, uh, about him. And there's a lot of things that you can learn from his life in leadership. Mm. Although mm. people would say, no, you can't, but they, they, there are really some things that he did that's so different than other leaders. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if I can quickly yeah. do an example. He was once in New York and he was late. No, sorry, London. It was London. He was late for a meeting and he hated to be late. And they were driving and the traffic was heavy and everything. And the next moment, he got out of the car, didn't say anything to anybody, just got out of the car and he started walking towards the, where the meeting was. And his bodyguards were all frantic running around because <laughs> that's not how presidents should do it. And they jumped out and they tried. And then people started recognizing him. And the next moment there was kind of a riot where all these people wanted to shake his hand and he still couldn't get in. He was just, I need to go to the meeting. I'm not going to be late. And that was for me, that's, that's the mark of a leader. Mm. Who's going to be different? And uh, they now apparently the um, English police, the UK police, use that incident to to teach their police how to to handle certain situations. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, and there are many of those stories where he just got out and did his thing, and hmm. he hated to be late. He would never be late. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What is the best place you've been to? The sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always the sea. No, if I if I would say a country where I would live, it would be probably Namibia. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Namibia. We've lived there ourselves. Namibia is a good country to be in. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something different about Namibia. Another good place, Mauritius. Of course, there's the sea and you can dive and there's all these beautiful waters and... Mm-hmm. But that's it. And then home. Mm. <laughs> I'm missing home right now. So <laughs> <laughs> home is yeah. always a good place to be. Um, absolutely. This is a question that I added last minute based off what you said before. And that's what were you like as a teenager? I was quiet. You are quiet? Yeah. Oh. In my little corner. That's not what I expected you to say. So what happened? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was quiet, but uh, on my own way naughty also and mm-hmm. uh, did all sorts of things so uh, I would say uh, we we were a group of guys who were more than nerds I think mm-hmm. um, we were not the best rugby players or cricket players and so on so we had our own levels of naughtiness and stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> that like sneaky quiet that's even worse probably than outspoken and whatever yeah <laughs> very much that is difficult but yeah I think that that stage in school, I was more introvert. Um, I'm not so much. I'm not a total extrovert, but introvert, uh, middle ma- middle more or less. Mm. And once I get going, then you can't help me. So. <laughs> <laughs> like racing with chairs down the oh something like that. <laughs> Always getting into trouble. Yeah. Uh, if you weren't working at Youth for Christ, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, I would have been either farming. That's what I wanted to do. Hmm. And 
I studied horticulture, so I would have worked with plants, nature, mm. whatever. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, I, I did not know that. Nature conservation, that was also something I was thinking about. Wow, I didn't know that. But I studied horticulture, so I love plants, love working in nature, animals. Mm. So, yeah. Mm, that's awesome. It's part of the, the being an introvert, you can work better with animals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Well, aside from those fun facts, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, introduce yourself, what do you do, what does life look like for you? Yeah, well, my name is EJ Fanas, if you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I come from South Africa, I was born and raised in Cape Town, the most beautiful city in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, beautiful Table Mountain, but none of you saw it. When you it were was there. a cloudy day. <laughs> we have a picture with like a Table Mountain sign, but it's just, we were just posers because yeah. we didn't actually go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was born and raised there. Then we moved to, um, after that, I started working uh, as a missionary for a different mission organization. Worked then in Angola, uh, in Southern Africa. And then for Youth for Christ, we started working in Angola, Namibia, then Botswana, where we met mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. And then we came back to South Africa and we live now in a small town called Kamiskruen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, I can tell you more. I'm, I've got two sisters. My mother doesn't, I'm an I'm a orphan now. My mm-hmm. mother doesn't, and my father doesn't live anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, still, still go to Cape Town. My sisters live in Cape Town. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm married to Kuku. That I shouldn't feel. That's that's that might important. be important. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm married to Kuku. Uh, and uh, yeah, we don't have any children of our own. Mm-hmm. Many children. Not our own. Mm-hmm. We can send them back tonight. <laughs> That's perfect. Can you quickly just explain kind of your role at Youth for Christ? Number one, I'm the training director for the whole of Africa. And when I say the whole of Africa, it's Africa south of the Sahara. because the northern part of Africa. It's, it's a different re- area uh, mm. in Youth for Christ. So I'm responsible for 33 nations staff to be trained. So I'm working on all the training for staff. And that is the one thing that I do. And then on the other hand, I'm also the deputy area director for the whole of Africa. And that is more also looking after staff and seeing what trouble is in the nations and we can fix it. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a lot of free time. <laughs> well, probably between 12 and 5, I've got some free time yeah. at night. Not in the yeah. daytime. But Fair. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. There is a little small town that we live. Most of the people there are retired. Mm. So every now and again, I get this call from this old man, and he would say to me, when are you coming to visit me? And I go, well, I'm busy. I'm actually now in a meeting, so I can't come. Yeah, but you're retired. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, that means that I'm in, living in this town that I'm retired. Yeah. I, mm. I don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yeah. I think that was one of favorite things there's a lot of favorite things when we were in South Africa but meeting people who lived in your community and you guys you and Cuckoo saying like oh this is so and so this is so and so and yeah like it was really cool just to kind of rub shoulders with people that you do life with I loved it yeah they they all want some of your time and everybody Mm -hmm. there's one lady she keeps on when I pass her and she's working in a garden oh you're coming for tea Uh, I don't have time now (laughs) I need to rush off to this or that you always have meetings yeah well that's kind of my life mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Now with the whole change of COVID and we couldn't travel, it's more meetings, meetings, meetings. Mm -hmm. Somebody realized it's easier to meet on Zoom. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not the best. I mean, now being here and being uh, in April, I was in in Denver uh, and we as a global team met and and you realize you need that contact. Mm -hmm. You need to sit down with people and talk about the things that bother you what you struggle with in a zoom meeting you have three hours and in three hours you always hello can you hear me sorry you didn't you you're still on mute come on yeah. unmute there and we can't hear you and you do all the things and then eventually three hours is done and you still hasn't done everything you want to do we're mm-hmm. here when you sit around the table everybody speaks at the same time and everybody writes down ideas and that's much better zoom you can only speak one person at a time mm-hmm. yes yes Well, I'm really excited because this whole season we're kind of pausing to remember and reflect. That's kind of the theme. Um, So we've been talking to people to hear their stories in their life. And then we've been hearing about people who are dead mentors, um, who are no longer living and yeah, just learning things from their life when they were here. And so we're going to bring it back. What was growing up like for you? I grew up in South Africa during apartheid Mm. and uh, all segregation, whatever you want to. We... the word that everybody uses is apartheid, which they don't say right in any case because it's an Afrikaans word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, hear, I hear most English people say apartheid and it's not hate and it's, not, it's apartheid and it means just separate. Mm. Um, so I grew up in that and it was, uh, we didn't make any difference. Uh, we went to church normally. We had, everybody was kind of going to church because the one church was kind of, Government church, not really government church, but mm. if you wanted to do the job, you had to write on your CV what church you were. And if you're in that church, you probably got the job before somebody else from another church. Interesting. So, yeah. And of course, segregation. So our church, our schools were all white. Our churches were all white. You go into the shop, it's only white people in that certain parts of the shop were black people. They couldn't mix with us. You go to the post office. There was a wall in between, and they were on the other side, hospitals, wherever you went. So that's how I grew up. And I wasn't a Christian at that stage, so it didn't seem wrong because we were indoctrinated. This was right. Mm. Uh, we, you go to the beach, and only white people on the beach. Uh, mm. And they were on the uh, benches on, next to the beach, it would say, say only white people. Um, and really, only white people, it would say. And uh, so on the bus, at least the buses were on top, the black people were sitting and the white people were sitting underneath, so they don't mix. So that's how I grew up. But otherwise, we didn't know much better. That's what it was. And we did our normal things, played rugby, sport, all kinds of sport, and did our normal things that everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, didn't know much bit different. Mm-hmm. So when did you become a Christian then? Uh, when I finished school, we had to all all men in white men in South Africa had to go to the army, and I had to go to the army. And then after the army, I went to study horticulture. And when I studied horticulture, I went to the youth group because there were very nice girls there, <laughs> and I wanted to meet the girls. Uh, yes, that's what I was interested in. Mm. And most of the, them, there, was, there were also a lot of my friends uh, in that youth. group. So we went there, and one evening there was an 
an elder who spoke, actually he spoke to the Christians. He didn't speak to non-Christians. And I was sitting there hmm, listening to what this guy is saying. And he used Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, where he says, talked about the you run the race and you throw off everything that hinders you, the sin that hinders you and so on. So he used that, but he was speaking to the Christians saying, you know, you need to go full out for Christ. And, and then he used, I was about three months out of the army, four months out of the army, and he used the example, if you want to run the 100 meters, you can't run it with army boots and army clothes and the gun. And everything. He used that example, and mm. I knew how difficult it was because that's what we did all the time. And uh, I actually had a little chain around my neck, and it became so tight around my neck, and it was choking me. And I was kind of <clears throat> trying to get rid of it, but... I mean, this old man just went on and on and on, and eventually we finished, and I just, I directly went home. I didn't stay, went home, and I went into my room, and I fell on my knees, and I said, Lord, I can't go on like this. I'm a mess. I'm running with that wrong clothes. Mm. Please take it away. And, yeah, it was about 9 o'clock uh, in the evening when I did that. Went to bed. Next day I went to college, and when I got there, it's in the center of Cape Town, my college and usually at lunchtime I would go in the city of Cape Town there was a kind of a shopping center that was underground and then a lot of people would come there for lunch and sit around and eat and so on and then afterwards there was this uh, there's a shop and I would go it's a big shop like one of your shops here and you go in and with these sweets which you can then you had a bucket and you weigh it mm -hmm. you put it in there different sweets and then they weigh it and then you pay for it and I never paid for that. Uh, just walked past and because it was open and you just grab one, put it in your pocket, walk out and then, um, uh, yeah, then I had at least pudding for after my, my lunch. And as I put my hand out, I clearly heard this voice that said, what did you decide last night? Mm. And I knew the Lord heard my, my prayer of, mm. of committing my life to him. And from there on, it took me a while to come out with it, and I struggled through a few things, didn't tell anybody yet. And then one day I went to my friend and I said, you know, I sat in the youth group and nobody asked me if I had a relationship with God or am I right if I die now or whatever, all the questions that people ask. And he kind of said, well, I don't know even if I'm right. So we started talking and he committed his life to the Lord. And so we started, I started asking everybody in the youth group about that and Eventually, we had a meeting one evening, and I just shared my story. Quite a few people came to know the Lord that evening, and then mm. we just all just grew together. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's where I met my wife also. Ah. So I did work to go to the youth yes. group. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're wondering whether you should go to the youth group or not, just go. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's pretty amazing. I think I, I hope and pray I never get tired of hearing stories of how God moves and works because the ripple effects that have happened then in your life from that moment yeah. is huge. I mean, and probably when you made that decision to follow Jesus, you had no idea that you would be in the position that you're in no. right now. Um, but I would love to hear what, as you think and reflect on your life, what have been like three of the most forming experiences in your faith since that decision that you made back then? I would say that it, it took me a year and in the next year, I was growing really in the Lord, and and I started feeling I need to do more than just 
be a Christian in that mm, church. Mm-hmm. Um, at that stage, I uh, one we we started with a kind of a group. We had church still in the evenings. Then mm. uh, you had church in the morning and church in the evening, and then we would go after church, go to somebody's house and take out a guitar and start singing and so on. I couldn't play guitar. <laughs> Let me not go into that story. <laughs> and I, I said, I really want to learn guitar. And this one guy said to me that evening, he said, this is D, this is G, this is A. And uh, we had a little book that we used, and he said, you use that. And then within a, the next week we came in, he said, uh, when they wanted to play a certain song, he says, no, EJ is going to play it. I had one week to practice these things i didn't even know it but yeah i i started playing guitar and then the next year as i said a year after i came to know the lord i had to speak at a camp and the more i spoke at the camp the more i realized god is talking to me mm. and by that time i had a like a, a mentor that i went to a, a spiritual father i called him the old man talked that evening that the elder and I went to him, and he started discipling me and walked with me. And he would, I would sit with him, and he'd say, okay, now go home. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You go and sort it out, and when you come back, we can talk further. <laughs> and so I had to go and study things by myself. But mm. that time, I, I struggled. I, I wanted to know, Lord, are you calling me? Because it's going to be a big decision. I had all these plans, 11 years of study of to where I wanted to and what I wanted to do and there were a lot of opportunities and so on so I um, yeah didn't know what I need to do and he said to me well go and be quiet go Mm -hmm. away and just spend time with the Lord and interesting enough the college closed in the middle of the term for three days I don't know why I can't remember they just said we can't for three days we won't have lectures Mm -hmm. and I took the opportunity and I just went Mm -hmm. um and I went to be quiet with the Lord and listen to him. And, and he said, my spiritual father said, write everything down. So I wrote everything down and then came back, went to the college. Oh, first to him. And he said to me, well, I, I'm not going to tell you the Lord called you. You need to know from there that the Lord called you, what mm-hmm. you wrote down. And I went back to the college and I sat. We had uh, two lectures of the same, of uh, it's my favorite. It was science, and I was really into it. And this lady was talking, and I'm just reading through my book, seeing all the verses. And the moment I realized the Lord called me, and I stood up in the class and I walked out. <laughs> no and way. And I said, I'm not coming back. I'm done. Wow. And never looked back. Uh, from there, I went. I didn't know what to do immediately, and then I went to Bible school, and went on from there. So that's how the Lord worked in my life. And I think wow. that's the main thing. So there's. Probably when I got married, that's another highlight, of course. Um, that was also, I mean, we had no money and all the things, and we just said, Lord, we trust you, and everything just came together. We got married. After I came out of Bible school and Cuckoo's finished studying, she's a nurse. So then, yeah, we got together, and there we go. And then it was, then we worked for one organization, and while we for that organization, uh, it was a struggle. I was very young still then. We were married. Didn't really know, and I didn't have somebody who really guided me. So mm-hmm. at one stage, I went to Namibia, and I, for Christ, asked me to do some training. I did some training there. Then I came back, and the church asked me if I will be their youth worker for about four or five churches that came together and said, I need to be their youth worker. 
So while I did that, I, Youth for Christ asked me to come and do training again in the Namibia. So I went there and the guy said, don't you want to think about going, coming to work for me in Namibia? And I go, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> we pray a little bit about it, but not really serious because it's not what, it, what we want to do. And I tried, that day in, in Namibia, they still had this telephone that you turned, not the dial one. Mm-hmm. They had a little, I don't know what you call it in English. It's a little lever that you had to swing, and then it makes a noise. And then on the other side, the the, uh, central place will pick it up. a switchboard? A switchboard, and then they will put you through to whatever number you tell them to do. That's how it worked in Namibia. (laughs) So I was trying to get hold. I couldn't get hold of him. Tell him I'm not coming to Namibia. And then eventually I got hold of him and said, I'm not going to Namibia. The Lord didn't tell us to go. He said, I forget about Namibia. Think about Angola. And again, now I went went to a farm and just be quiet. And the Lord said, yes. And we had to give up everything. And then we moved to Angola uh, to work there. Wow. And then, yeah, then it was Youth for Christ. And there mm-hmm. I started, 1997, in Youth for Christ. That's the year we were born. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, uh, it was a year that I started in Youth for Christ in, in uh, Angola. But we struggled quite a bit because South Africans and the history of South Africa and what we did, uh, there was a war between on the border of Namibia but, uh, and Angola. Uh, the Angolans didn't like South African men very much, so we couldn't mm. get permits, so we just moved down. Then we eventually moved down to Namibia and we stayed there for three years mm. and worked for YC Namibia. And from there, it was just youth progressed. Yeah. So did you go to Namibia then to Botswana? Yes, the, after three years, they didn't renew our permit in Namibia. And then I went to Youth for Christ South Africa and said, I want to come and work for you. And they said, no, you are so used to international. Don't you want to go and work in Botswana? Mm-hmm. And there was no work in Botswana, so we went and started the work in Botswana. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, we are there 16 years. Whoa, I don't think I realized it was that long. Yeah, we were supposed to go for five and train a, a national director, a local national director. We worked quite a bit to get a national director. Mm. And after I, three years, I did find somebody and I started training this person. And then we went, uh, I trained him two years and then we went to the big conference in Kenya. He was going to be presented as a national director, presented him as a next national director. They, they, we washed feet and did the whole thing. We back and we landed the Sunday and the Tuesday I got I walk into my office and his resignation letter left on my table and he resigned. Mm. So we were back to square one and then we could just after that never find somebody that mm. because now you also kind of uh is this person gonna make it, not make it? And mm. we went through this whole process but eventually we got there mm-hmm. after sixteen years. Yeah. It's a little longer than you were anticipating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So then when did you leave Botswana in like 2018 or 19? 2017. Okay. 2017. 2017. It was also, it's also an interesting story how, how we left. We, we went on sabbatical. Youth for Christ, we have to do sabbatical every seven years. So we went on sabbatical and uh, kind of, I was praying. Uh, we went to Namibia. We got a lot of friends in Namibia. So we went to do some rest time there. Went to catching fish and mm-hmm. so on. And while f- fishing and 
walking on the beach, I kept on saying, Lord, what's next? Next, What's next? Where do you want us to be? And I just didn't get an answer. Then we went down to Cape Town, uh, not Cape Town, but on the coast where, where we live now in that area. We went down to the sea, kept on praying, nothing, nothing, nothing. Eventually, we had four months uh, sabbatical, but we only took two at that stage because we couldn't take it all because of the work in Botswana and my own work in Africa. So we went back and we stopped at a friend who also used to work with us in Botswana, and he, but he does wider missionary work. He's not working for Youth for Christ. And we stopped at him, and as I, I quickly went somewhere and I heard Kukusini speak, spoke that moment and he asked her the question what he, what he plans and she said we don't really know we actually did what we're supposed to do in Botswana to establish the work and so we did that and when she said it it was like the Lord was saying there you go that's why I haven't answered you you did your work so now we go okay now we're now now we're praying we're now and shortly after that I had to go for a meeting in the southern part of South Africa with some of my guys flew in from all over Africa and we had a kind of a planning meeting and I had other meetings in that part. And we, I drove down, had a meeting, and then I decided, okay, from here on back to Botswana, I'm going to drive in and out of every town that I find. <laughs> and I'm going to say, Lord, is this the town? Is this the town? Because we knew not Cape Town, where I come mm. from. Because there, there are enough churches all over Cape Town, but most of the rural areas don't have that mm. so i was literally driving into towns out of towns and mm. saying lord is this it and none of them none of them and we went to come screw and there i knew about a house i knew about this house and one of my donors uh i phoned him and he said we're coming back so that you know that you're not going to be in botswana anymore and he said where are you going to live and i go i don't know we'll see and i left it there and i drove and Saw the house, took some pictures of the house, got back home and I showed the pictures to Cookies. He said, well, it doesn't help me to see the pictures. We can't afford the house. <laughs> and this donor phoned me and he said, yeah, did, you, did you decide where you're going to stay? And I go, no, there's only this one house that we saw. I kind of feel that it might be this, but we're not sure. We can't afford the house and so on. And he said, no, make this offer to the... Uh, uh, well, he asked me how much and I said, yes, yeah, this is the prize. And he said, make this offer. And he was a bit lower than what the guy wanted. Made the offer. Well, I said, I can't make an offer. I don't have the money. And he said, no, he'll buy the house for us. And then, of course, we asked how much do we have to pay back. And he, we made the price. And then, yeah. And then he said, yes. And then by that time, Cookies have not seen the, the house. <laughs> so wow. the guy said, yes. And we started the whole process of transferring the name. The, the house on our name and I said to Cookies let me take you to go and see the house because you haven't seen the house yet <laughs> she was really excited because there was a pantry in the house and mm. you've been there you know the pantry is big and she, that that was a dream and for that she was already excited mm. so we went and uh, and as we crossed the border from Botswana to South Africa I got an email from the lawyer it was three weeks from the day we started the process Mm-hmm. And she told me it's going to take three to six months to transfer the house. And as we crossed the border, I got the email: the house is yours. Wow! Already on your name. And then we go. Now we have a house, and we're still in Botswana. We can't keep up keep two houses. We thought it's <laughs> going to be 
another six months. Mm. And so Cuckoo saw the house the first time and it was already our house. Wow. And we already started then moving stuff that was at our mum's, which is outside town. We moved some of the stuff there and we had a house and then we had to decide are we going back or not. And then afterwards, let me just share that story. That I spoke to the guy who, who bought the house for us and he said when they were, he, he was a missionary kid in Kenya and when they came back to South Africa, somebody said to them, I want to buy your house because you need a house. When you come. And he said, if I grow up, I will do the same to another missionary and we were that missionaries. Wow. Um, so it was just... We prayed about it. Nobody knew what we were going through. And this guy, mm. made it, uh, God used this guy to make it happen. And, yeah, it's just amazing. And we had to pay him back. In February this year, we finished with our wow. part. Not the whole amount. We only about a third of the price we had to pay mm. back. And in the 1st of March, we paid our last installment. And wow. we're done. Wow. So the house is fully ours. Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. God wow. is great. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, what a cool, cool experience. And, and yeah, to have that of, like, being in Botswana for so long and now to get back to, like, your yeah. your home country and mm, see yeah. everything that's there to do. Um, yeah, God is good. That's just. So good. So yeah. good. And, I mean, the, then we had to move and we don't have money to do that. I, I asked. Of those guys, do you want me to buy another house to, with the prices you're asking? And God just brought everything together. And then mm. because of that last two months of sabbatical, we moved immediately. Uh, we decided, okay, let's move while we have sabbatical left and we can move and give it the house right and so on. And we moved. Mm. And God brought all everything together. Mm. Wow. Yeah. He really does know what's best, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's how it worked. And still working and mm-hmm. still see I still see how God brings things together every time and to trust him and to walk mm-hmm. with him I uh, that was the one thing that my spiritual father said to me when right in the beginning he said you need to decide when I said I'm going to work for the Lord he said you need to decide or work it out with God let me put it that way you need to work out with God how are you going to provide are you mm-hmm. going to raise your funds and talk to people about it you're going to trust him or what do you, you need to work it out. And once you worked it out, that's the way you're going to go. Because he mm. was also kind of a missionary. He, he wasn't a missionary to another country, but he worked with street people and so on. And he had the same thing. And I, I when I, Kukus and I went to the Lord and we asked, Lord, how do you want us? And he said, no, you trust me. And that's how we do it. Everything mm. we do, we don't ask people, please do this, please do this. I For ministry, I would ask to do that. Often I would do that. And I can tell you stories in Botswana how things work, but, uh, and even where we are now. But for personal, we talk to God, and he provides. Mm. And if he doesn't provide, then we shouldn't have it. Mm. So that's how we work. Mm. Wow, that's incredible. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to kind of hear this, because I think we've heard a little bit about how God has been faithful in just, like, providing. And then you mentioned that too, about then if it's not there, then we don't need it. Um, And one thing is we talk to different people and also Jen and I would say experiences in our own lives as well is that, you know, we we see the goodness of God when he provides, but we also can understand more about God in the difficult times and hardships. Mm -hmm. Um, How would you say that that has been for you in your life of seeing God 
in the times that are difficult too. Yeah, they, there's always been those difficult times. I mean, there are times that I want to give up. Uh, I'm honest about that. There were times that I just wanted to walk away. Mm. I I just last week shared uh, at the summer institute. I shared some uh, something that happened uh, to us at once. I really wanted to just give up. I it was, everything was just pressing. Everything went wrong. And yeah, I, I want things, and God doesn't provide it, and I want it. Mm. This is what I'm saying, I want it. <laughs> Not sure that God wanted it. <laughs> and I remember that day, I I drove back to the office, and I, I as I drove, I made my plans. I'm going to pack up when I get to at the office. I'll tell Cuckoo's later she can do whatever she wants, but I'm going back to South Africa. I'm just done. It wasn't because of her, but because of the ministry, and there were a lot of things pressing on me. And got to the office and my phone rang. Now, at that stage, I was a regional director for Southern Africa, which is 10 countries under me. And I had an office in South Africa and, of course, I'm in Botswana. So my, my mobile phone had two different cell phone cards in it. And the call comes in on the South African SIM card. And I answer it. And I like I answer it always, hello, EJ. And it says, this is an automatic answering machine. I go, I don't have an automatic answering machine. And it tells me the number. I don't even know the number. And then, do you want to listen to the message? In this rush and thinking of packing up and going home and so on, I just press, it says press one and I press one. And this message says, God loves you very much. And he doesn't want you to give up. You need to go on. It was a whole lot. But that's the part I remember. Mm. And then it says, and then the message ended. It was about a minute long message. And said, if you want to listen to it again, press one again. So I press one again. Yeah, the whole message goes on mm-hmm. again. And then clips the phone down. Nothing anymore. I don't know where that number comes from. I couldn't find it on my phone. And I believe that that's how God came through because I mm-hmm. wanted to give up. And through the years, you, you always had something that I my, my Bible school principal would phone me and say, EJ, I just thought of you this morning. And just that time when you when you don't see the light anymore, mm. God is answering you. Uh, that's why sometimes I do, like I said, yeah, I would like to have Jesus here so I can just talk mm-hmm. to him and say, why this and why that? But on the other hand, as you grow with the Lord and as you walk with him and as you learn how he works and you come closer to him, you let him be the boss, if you can say that. I mean, I'm talking worldly now. <laughs> but he's the boss, and therefore I have to abide by what he's doing. It's mm-hmm. always easy. And I think a lot of people don't understand it. They think they want to work out everything. And I've learned through the years, don't work out everything in your brain. Mm-hmm. You're going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to make it because if you work out everything, it's not making sense. And mm-hmm. God never makes sense. In our way of making sense, we we want to make, sense, but he he's not going to make sense in the way that we want it uh, mm. because he's got his plan. Mm-hmm. I always say to people, you, you know, uh, my English is failing me now, but you get these uh, uh, kind of knitting thing that women do, and if you if they put it down, it it's very nice. It it it's a beautiful picture, but if you lift it up and you look from there. Uh, from underneath mm. it's all these little things hanging up it doesn't look so nice mm-hmm. and I always say this is how our pictures we see it from underneath 
underneath. The cast picture is from the top. It's a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. I was uh, well, God, that doesn't look good, and that doesn't look good, and it doesn't work, and I want this, and I but if God looks at it, it's a perfect picture because mm. he's already worked it out. And mm. I think that that is where we struggle uh, a lot uh, as humans. Mm. And I had to learn through the years. Maybe I said to somebody once, maybe I'm just stupid or dumb. Mm. <laughs> just accept what the Lord says. But that, mm. that is walking in faith. And, and my spiritual father always said, the faith life is an exciting life. Mm. But you need to walk by faith. Otherwise, you're not going to find the excitement. And yeah, there are the days when you want to pack up. There are the days where, where everything goes wrong. You get accused with, of things. You, you get pointed at. But that's part of it. Mm. The Lord never said it's going to be easy. Mm. But eventually, we're still there. Because you do what he has called you to do. Mm. In all that, what do you treasure most about God? Um, that he loves me, <laughs> that he never gives up on me. I I I learn a lot from music. Music for me important. Mm. I'll I'll not say anything about playing guitar, but uh, <laughs> music is for me very important. And I and often music opens a word for me when mm. I listen to a song. I go, oh, I never thought about it that way. And even things that you see on YouTube or whatever. The thing that changed my life a lot was that there's a video clip of a certain skit guys mm. who who does the thing of, of grace. I don't know if you ever saw it. Where, where Peter's standing, the, he's coming from the boat. They just caught all that fish and Jesus said, come here. And he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That, And then then he goes on, but Lord, I, I messed up. And then he explains it, and it's so nice how he explains it when he, he talks to Peter and he says, it's not about you, it's about me. And and that I learned in ministry. Mm. We can complain as much as we want to, but it's not about us. We can say all these things, it's all about God. If we, if we take the focus of us and we look at God and we say, it's all about you, Lord. I if I if I preach, it's all about you. It's not about the people who's going to listen to me. If I do my radio show, it's not about it's not about how good I can do it. It's mm. all about him. If we can focus that, and that's what I've learned to focus, and that's why God is for me special because they, in that he also says grace. And what is grace? It's that it's all about him, not about me. Mm. And, and that I've learned, and I think that is for me the special thing about God. I. I mean, I mess up a lot. I, I, I can acknowledge that, that I mess up a lot. But he still loves me, and it's still about him. Mm-hmm. So. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done a lot of looking back and saying, like, what has God done in the past? But how would you say that God is forming you and teaching you in this season right now? Well... <laughs> I, I came here to Canada because we had to be part of uh, some institute of Youth for Christ, and just we we were here to to observe what they're doing, so that we can see how we can work together with Youth for Christ Canada and going forward. And um, and I came here with the idea to learn, but the Lord has pulled me over. If I can use, it. do you know that, Sam? 
Pulled you over? Bowled me over. Bowled you over, yeah. yeah. It's a cricket term. <laughs> so bowled and I fell over. <laughs> but in any case, so we, there were so many special things that I learned. Um, and I think that is the thing. There was one thing that we, the other night we had a, a kind of a prayer station thing. I think you did it when you guys were there. Mm-hmm. And there was a picture and I picked it up and it talked about freedom. And it's not freedom from sin, freedom. It was a different kind of freedom. But it was so spot on. It's like, how did the Lord know I'm going to pull this one out? I mean, could have been anyone. I just took one. And 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 that, and somebody wrote a card. Uh, there was somebody here in your country who writes these cards. And and it was mm-hmm. so spot on. And it, I think that's the thing that I, came, I am going through a difficult time in my work and it was kind of, well, the Lord did, he, he is caring, he, and he is thinking of me. And that was also the thing this lady wrote in that letter. She doesn't know me. She doesn't, I've, I don't even know mm-hmm. who she is. I, I think I can remember her name, but I can't. <laughs> in any case, in that she wrote something about, some secret that only God and I know about, mm-hmm. um, in the way how we communicate. And then she put a smile face next to that communicate and or secret next to this the word secret and and then she explains the rest there and i'm not going to explain that now but Mm -hmm. it was just for me wow there is a secret thing that god and the way we communicate and and that's the thing that i always say to young people also we we are so formed in the church uh Mm. how do you say it in english there's a you know, when you form a, a brick, you have a, like a template. Yep. Let's put, mm-hmm. use computer terms, templates. And mm-hmm. everybody uses the same template. And somehow the church wants to put us all in the same template. Mm-hmm. But God never works with, with us the same. With each one, he works different. And I've seen that in my life so many times. Mm-hmm. I've learned it from other people, but I've seen it in my own life. How, if if I go back to some of my Christian friends, they say, no, no, it can't be God. But... I know it's God working with me, talking to me in that mm-hmm. way. And maybe you listen to this podcast and you go, you know, I thought I need to do it this way. But if God speaks to you through music, through art or whatever, let him speak to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe even in a song that's not a Christian song. I've heard some message from the Lord in a non-Christian song. There's one mm-hmm. song that I... I listened to it again this week because the song is so special to me. It's not a Christian song. It's got nothing to do with Christian. But there's a message in there that the Lord is, is telling me and and to not give up. Mm. But then who wrote the song? A human being who God created mm. and giving some. So God can speak in any way. I, mm-hmm. I have many stories on that, but we can never finish. I hear all my <laughs> stories. I've got too many stories. <laughs> Somebody at my church just yesterday, he's a new Christian, he just got baptized. And that's what he said. He heard this country music song about a boy watching his dad get down on his knees and pray. And he used to listen to that song and pray. And he didn't know anything about God growing up. And it's like a non-Christian country song kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But the thing is that, that that's where I come back to that part. Mm. Who gave him the talent to, to do that? Mm. Yes, there are some who use the talent for the wrong reason. And we teach it in Youth for Christ. Everything belongs to the Lord. So songs belong to Him. Everything belongs to Him. Mm. 
we make believe that, for instance, music can be bad. But is it really bad if God is a creator? I know there are some people who will bring in other stories. I'm not going to say it here. <laughs> but if God created us, even even art, I mean, sometimes I look at art and I go, well, I'm not a very good artist. So in that sense, I can create other things. But that part, not my part. <laughs> so sometimes, have you ever watched some, some uh, what do you call it, artists uh, do their painting and it's all blobs and what and they tell you it's an explosion of the universe that came <laughs> together and I go no it's just a lot of blobs but, in any case, but the God created that mm-hmm. and for, for somebody else maybe that's a story mm-hmm. that brings them closer to God isn't it so that the Bible in Romans says that we will see God in nature mm-hmm. and people miss that they think no we just have to see him in the word and what about, I always think, what about the guys who can't read so good? Where are they go to mm-hmm. see God? In nature. Mm-hmm. In, in how people do, th- or how animals react, or whatever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much, um, I'm going to say shame, that we heap on us, on ourselves, because yeah. the way that we connect with God or the way we worship God doesn't look like that template yeah. that has been distributed. To throw whatever churches, whatever. Yeah. I wonder how much we kind of heap on ourselves because it doesn't look the way that quote unquote it should. I was listening to, oh, what's his name? He's a country artist named Larry Fleet. Never heard of him before. I was just listening to a random playlist and this song called um, Where I Find God came on. It's a twangy song, which I enjoy every once in a while, but literally. <laughs> It's like at the bar, in the hunting stand, by the river. I don't know. All these like very stereotypical country things um, in the church pew, wherever. He's like, that's where I find God. I'm like, it's true. You do not need to walk through a church door or be a youth group or whatever. Where Those things you can experience God and can meet him. But it's not just limited to those those things. And yeah, I was worshiping God through this random country song. (laughs) <laughs> that I don't know if he's a Christian. I have no idea, but you it's nailed interesting. it. A, a lot of people complain about, for instance, music. But if you go back and you research, where did the the Wesleys got the music? The and and William Booth from the Salvation Army. He where did he get the music? He went into bars and he listened to the guy singing in the bars. And then he memorized the the melody, mm. and he would go out and he would. Drive Christian with. So now we sing this in the church and people say, oh, no, this is the only song that we need to sing. <laughs> Means, I mean, it does come from the Bible. Yeah. yeah, so that's where music comes from. Music comes from, mm. from these guys who listen to other melody. And, and I mean, if you look at the melody, you can use some of those melodies and make a Christian song on it. Mm. We do it in Afrikaans a lot. Mm. We take their songs and make melodies with it and or words put Christian words on it and then people would listen to it. Hmm. And all they said did it. Hmm. But we only no 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 we can't do that and and then you go into a church and and just go next time into a church and listen differently to what the pastor is saying and you you pick up this jargon that we use and you go, what does it really mean? We're so used to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And oh in the name of Jesus let's do or let's praise and worship the Lord. Uh, if you go to 
Bible, praise and worship the Lord. You lay on your face before God in the dirt. Go and look at David. He fell on his face. That's praise and worship. So we sometimes make these things that must be like this. Mm. God works in his own way. Mm. So. And thank goodness for that. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the final question that we have for you. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've given? James 1 verse 22. Be doers of the word. Mm. That's all. And it's not so difficult because what people do is they they try to be to be and and be a lot of things they're not supposed to be. I, a lot of people say that Christians are the biggest hypocrites because we have to live so that the others will see that you know we at this level. But just do what the word says, and sometimes the word is very, very, very. Do not lie. Do not do this. Do this. Love one another. I I believe that, and I look at my own country. I'm not looking at your country or any other. I'm looking at my own, and I go, we could have been different, because Christianity started and said this is apartheid. Mm. We created apartheid, and if Christianity really were loving, it would have been the other way around. Mm. Things would have been different. And I still believe it that if Christians really live out what God wanted, like in the Bible, the extra mile, if they ask the top part of your garment, give them the bottom part, whatever. If you do all those things, our world will look different. That part in, in Matthew 5 about when you come to the altar and you remember your brother has something against you, not you against them. They have something against you. Leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile. If we did that, the basic things, the world would look different. Mm. Be doers. I have it. You can go on my WhatsApp. You can go on my Facebook. It says there, be doers of the word. Some African people couldn't figure that out. They they just saw the be doers and they go, what is it? Dur, dur. <laughs> they couldn't understand it because it's also an Afrikaans word. <laughs> and uh, then I said, no, it's actually in English because I want my friends to know that too. <laughs> Be a doer of the word. Mm. Don't only hear it because otherwise you're looking in the mirror and we all know that. Look in the mirror and then, okay, it's dirty there and you go clean this side instead of this side. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's it. Mm. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for being here and, and just seriously all the work that you do and we we don't get to catch up with you too much. It's been a few years, but uh, even just see from afar the work that you and Cuckoos do. And yeah, thinking back to when I was 16 years old and I met, we met and I taught you how to play guitar. And yeah. Maybe you must tell the story. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so again, when I was, when I was like 16, I was in Botswana and I brought my guitar down with me and, you know, we would lead worship every night, me and a couple people on the team. And one night, EJ, and I don't know that I had really probably talked to EJ much on this trip. Like, you know, as a group, we'd all kind of, you know, talked and whatever, but never like a personal conversation. And EJ said, oh, well, you teach me how to play something on the guitar. So I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So I always teach people the same song, which is Sweet Home Alabama, because it's really easy. And I started showing him how, and he 
It's like, you know, like, oh, like, how do I, and where do I put my finger, and all these different things. He was asking me these questions, and I was like, yeah, just like this, da 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 And then, all of a sudden, he just starts rocking away, he's, he plays the whole song perfectly, and he goes, like that? I think you taught me very well. <laughs> Little do I know, he's been playing guitar as long as I've been alive, and was <laughs> sitting there, tricking me, oh, oh, is that? You, how's that how you you place your fingers yes ej and he knew all along and, oh. and so. therefore watching through the window he couldn't he lost so much because he knew i was busy with it uh. yeah yeah no that's the fun part of being a christian we can laugh. yes yeah. yes and now every time that we've played together on our different uh different excursions and things playing guitar together i can tell everybody that i was the one that taught ej how to play so <laughs> True. What a great leadership <laughs> lesson. Always be a learner. Right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that was fun. It was really fun. And it was fun when you came to Kamish School and we played together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so fun. But it's so nice uh, that we speak here. And I hope that I think you've got the equipment. Maybe we must connect one day you with the radio down in South Africa. Yeah. Wow. They just stopped with the radio there so we could have. Make maybe something and you speak to us. Yes, that would be awesome. Done. We'll see if this can work. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we have more amazing conversations like this coming up. And you don't want to miss them. So subscribe, follow, all those things. You can catch us on Instagram at JustWorkFriends if you want to have more resources. And uh, yeah, feel free to give us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that you can give reviews on. And yeah, until next time, see you later.